Hello. And welcome to And Thoughts. <laughs> Quarantine edition number 50 billion. That's right. We're the number one premium show where we review um, trashy, terrible, cheesy romance novels. So it's you don't girl. have to. So you don't <laughs> have to. It's your girls. I'm April. And I'm Tasha. I thought I'd, we do um, Thesis of Maristel right there. But <laughs> oh, oh, I have uh, okay, that's my bad. I haven't watched Jesus and Marilyn like forever. Um, I think it was at my parents' last time I watched it. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I watch whatever's on YouTube, and they happen to pop up, and so like they're pretty entertaining. Mm-hmm. I actually need to um put in their, their showtime login information. Because that's the show that me and mom watch together. Like, we we binge, I don't want to say trashy TV, but we both love gossip television. Like, Wendy Williams and Jesus and Marrow and stuff like that. I don't know. I hate Wendy Williams. She's a... Anyways. <laughs> no, she's just, she's just a piece of shit person. She's She is definitely a, a piece of work, which, hey, segue into the name of my book um it's but but uh, yeah she's a she's a real piece of work um i still watch it of course because yeah sip that tea sip that tea you know it's it's fun to listen to in the morning after working out because it's background noise while i do the dishes so all right um so uh brought up segue uh, my book is the boring book uh, this episode. It's normal. There's no magic. There's no werewolves or spells or ghosts or anything. It's just a boring ass book. Um, just a regular ass romance novel. Yeah, just run of the mill. Um, it's called Piece of Work by Stacy Hart. Yes, I know. Um, and it is an enemies to lovers office romance. It's part of a series called the Red Lipstick Coalition. Um, I keep ending up with series that are just horrible. Like, well, every book we read is part of a series, and like the more I read, like this book does not they didn't ask for a sequel. Why is every book trying to do some world building? When that's not even necessary. Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily this one is set in the modern day. And it, it is set in New York, which I have been to. But, like, I don't know that this person has. Maybe they have. I don't know. Um, Depends but, of, like, New York City or New York State? New York City. Um, okay. So, like, you were adjacent to there, so you have some knowledge. Well, I lived in New York City. Oh, right, right. I mean, technically it was Brooklyn, which, you know, back to that Jesus and Meryl represent, except they're from the Bronx and everyone makes fun of the Bronx. Um, it's, it's just Damn. what you do. You just make fun of the Bronx. It's part of living in New York. Some offense. <laughs> um, but like, so there wasn't any world building required just because it, it was there. We all have an idea of what New York looks like. Um, but jumping right into it, we start off with our heroine, 
Rin Vandermeer, and it's like your Rin Vandermeer. She's half Korean and half Dutch, and she's six foot huge, and she's so plain, and nobody ever notices the tall bitch over there, which sounds dumb to me because everyone notices a tall bitch. But yeah. also, but also, you and I are short, so we automatically notice that everyone is tall. <laughs> um. But, like, anyway, she she's there for an internship at the Met while she pursues her PhD. Um, we don't really know what her PhD is in. If we do, I didn't pay attention. Um, we meet Dr. Bianca something, but she's the bitch, uh, much like Michaela, except now it's that bitch Bianca. Um, no, I just picture Bianca Del Rio. She's a drag queen. <laughs> That would have been an excellent improvement to this entire book. Like, it really would. Um, Because then I would have probably liked Bianca more. It wasn't that she was unlikable. She was just, like, there. Like, this whole book would have made a perfectly fine rom-com movie or something like that. But, like, yeah. Like, Um, I don't yeah yeah it's just a book and there's like it it could have made an entire season of a tv show even anyway that bitch bianca takes rin to meet her real boss uh court lyons um he's a dick and he's scary but he's bit like an adonis and of course bianca totally wants all over his dick and it's like super fucking obvious. Um, and Court is like, she's fucking dumb, this bitch, but she's an alpha who knows what she wants, which I hate that theory about alphas and betas and shit. Like, it's, yeah. It's bullshit and it's annoying. And people who are listening, if someone says they're an alpha, they're not. You, you should never have to say that you're in charge. Like, big dogs don't need to bark. But also, Court does not want Bianca. He's like, you're a hoe. I know you a hoe. And I know you only want to slob on my knob for a fucking promotion. Anyway, back to Rin. Uh, Bianca has pretty much just been throwing Rin the intern to go work in the library, like, doing nothing. Which... Sounds great to me because you could literally just work on your thesis all fucking day for your entire internship and that'd be fine. But I also interned in a different industry. But anyway, she finishes her work for the day. She goes home to taco night, OMG, girls night, bad bitch lipstick. You should totally do a makeover. That way he'll pay attention to you. Wait, was it Tuesday? I don't know. I think it's a Monday. Oh my god. Frappuccinos, tacos, yay, tequila, Jägermeister, Goldschlager. Oh my god, was that so? Was that totally their vibe? That was kind of their vibe. I kind of got annoyed by it because I've I've never had roommates who acted like this. Ever. (laughs) Ever, ever, ever. Um, I'm not saying they don't exist, but like there's just super 2000s girls night chick flick kind of thing like you were always complaining about chick lit don't read this book because that's all it is um so anyway would they try to be like a sex in the city like you know type group yeah yeah 
kind of like Sex in the City meets Girls because they're all in their. I, I don't actually know how old any of them are. Like, that's that's never a thing that comes up. Age is not a factor in this book in any capacity. Anyway, they give her a makeover because if you're pretty, they'll respect you more. Um, somehow, the next morning, she goes all fucking glamazon and somehow remembers how to do all the shit they looked up on YouTube without looking like a psycho. I know I don't. Then uh, that's pretty much it. We flicker back to Court, who's the lion asshole. And I mean lion-like roar. He's trying to get the statue of David loaned to the Met Museum. And they're arguing about some shit, Bianca and Court. And uh, like I said, I skimmed over a lot of this just because it was so boring. But when Rin shows up in the middle of their argument... Court is completely taken aback by this luscious glamazon who just waltzed into his office. And Rin's telling Bianca, oh, I sent over the research that you asked for. And that bitch Bianca's like, I didn't say any of that. You're an idiot. Go home. And Court suddenly feels super defensive because he doesn't like how Bianca's treating her. And he goes off and he's like, you need to make your intern learn stuff because it reflects on you and that reflects on me. And she runs off to pout and Court kind of like reads over the research Rin dropped off and he's like, I'm going to use that for the exhibition we're going to put on. It's, so it's, her work. Um, that's what I thought at first too. And honestly, I don't know that that's ever addressed again. Um, but like, it's explicitly described that as Rin is all mopey at home and listening to Wu-Tang Clan how, again, more chick flick ice cream and bonbons kind of shit. Okay. And she keeps listening to Wu-Tang Clan on the way to work. And Bianca, again, tells her to go fuck around in the library and, you know, do whatever. I don't care. Um, but she, like, runs into Dr. Lyons and stumbles and he catches her. But she's been crying because Bianca didn't really say anything. She just said, go work somewhere away from me. And I guess that hurt her feelings. Bitch, whatever. Anyway, uh, Rin is crying with Wu-Tang and she goes into the bathroom and decides to like put on her bright red lipstick. And then she has a whole meltdown about how bright red lipstick is too aggressive. And yeah, a bunch of weird shit and then after work there's another fucking shopping montage where they take her to a store meant for tall girls that was opened by a former fashion model who's the same size as Rin that's cute yeah no it's hurting my brain even to cover these notes again just cause they were it was such a horrible book like I think I had three glasses of wine just trying to force myself to read it again I'm just more harping on how can you be sad and crying while listening to Wu-Tang? If anything, it's empowering. No so shit. I'm gonna, like, you listen to Wu-Tang, I'm gonna hurt these motherfuckers. Right? Not to mention, you have literally been given leave for the to go play around and dick around in the biggest fucking art history library in the United States, and that's what your dissertation to get your doctorate needs? Like, No. No, that's like me being given free leave to just take whatever I wanted from Mood Fabrics and to mess around 
in a giant costume collection for my entire internship and nobody cared what I did. That sounds like heaven to me. It's yeah, like- I can work on personal projects. I work on personal projects. Like, here, what do you work on? This? Do you like it? And then you're... But am I being paid? Is it is a paid internship? Probably not. I assume so. Like, I, that's something they never really go over. But she is literally allowed to just do whatever she wants with all of the resources she could possibly desire. And she's not utilizing them. And she's she is, but she's sad that she's not... I, I don't know. She's sad that she's not being put to use by that bitch Bianca. Sure. I know. I know. But then, back to court, he's having a lot of moody, broody, internal thoughts. He doesn't understand why he's angry at Bianca for making Rin cry. But he knows that Rin's super smart. And at some point, for a reason I can't figure out, uh, they bring up that his current stepmother, Court's current stepmother, which is like number four, used to be his fiance. And because of that, he doesn't trust women. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that that was just shuffled in. Um, uh, his fiance is now his stepmom, and so all women are trash. Um, right. Right. Um, so once again, Rin goes home after crying and gets a giant makeover from her roommates, and she goes in with her new clothes and her new makeup, and Court sees her, and he's just like, oh my god, and then it goes like, super Devil Wears Prada, but like, if they had the pots for each other... Like, you know that, you know that, that first makeover after she wears, like, goes from her Target sweater into, like, actual designer clothes? Yeah, yeah, after Stanley Tucci became his god gay and just gave her makeover. Right, right. That's, that's essentially what fucking happens, is just, like, full-on Devil Wears Prada. Um, Soundtrack to Vogue, you know, just changing, walking um Whirling. maybe not vogue because it's mentioned a lot that ren really likes hip-hop so maybe like some cardi b yeah i would say definitely some cardi b um which they actually make references to the ariana grande song like bang bang mm-hmm. so like it could actually just be the bang bang song um but then like well, it could be a little bit Mad Men, too, because it's, like, the boss and the intern, which is kind of, like, directly out of a porno film. But anyway, um, he decides, like, your research is so good that we're going to have meetings about it every fucking morning because I'm going to use your research in the exhibit. So he, like, includes her, but then they have both, like, got the fucking hots for each other wanting to fuck on the desk. Is her boss British? No, he's he's a New York boy. Okay. Yeah. And then for some reason, Court's stepmother slash ex shows up at the museum for con- conflict, I guess. Um, and he like runs- yeah, and he like runs into her on his way to work for the morning to meet up, and he's all grumpy and bitchy because my ex stepmother fiance Lydia's there and there's a moment 
after the meeting where he and Rin are in his office and, oh my god, she cut her finger and it's a Ninja Turtle band-aid and he decides to change her band-aid because she's bleeding through it and that's erotic, I guess. And then they almost kiss and then the next day they're like bonding over Wu-Tang and junk food and like being all sad intern students and stuff. And he's like, what? Bianca made you just sit here instead of doing work. Well, how dare. And then he like drags her over and he yells at Bianca like, how dare you let this intern do other stuff? He's going to be my assistant today and you're going to do the research instead, bitch. And then uh, there's just more bonding and he finds out that... um she like read his dissertations and all his papers and stuff. And he's like, ah, oh, I knew it. Women are liars. You just dressed all pretty to get into my good graces. And Rin snaps back like, fuck you, you fucking fuck. I like being pretty. And I read your papers because you're smart and I don't respect you anymore. And then he finger blasts her in front of a painting of Jesus. Cool. Yep. It paid. Yep. If you got, did he look Jesus in the eye as he was like finger banger? Um, I don't think so. It was definitely the picture, the painting of Jesus after he's dead. Like they're pulling him down from the cross. Um, but I mean, because <laughs> my mind immediately went to like you know some random Jesus painting. You know, like you would see on like a candle of him just with the peace sign, him doing the peace sign and the flaming heart, <laughs> like the buddy Christ. Almost. Hey, if we've ever been that was Buddy Christ. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. The the reason they ended up in front of the painting of Jesus, I remember, is that Rin's dissertation is about the the evolution of Mary Magdalene from whore to saint. Okay. Which sounded interesting to me, and that's why I actually remembered that. I'm like, oh. That sounds like a really cool paper. I would probably read that. Um, but I don't know, finger blasted and, you know. If you told him like, hey, I like you, but I don't like you anymore because you're being a dick. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But then he like freaks out because he broke his rule about not trusting people and not fucking the intern, which we find out that his ex-wife stepmother was an intern. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But then he, like, runs off to the bathroom and jerks off from shame. And Rin Joe's, goes home and there's another girls' night, bonbons, ice cream, chips, and junk food. And, like, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm kind of liking that she has friends who are on her side. Because that's always been a complaint of mine, is that every single female lead in any romance novel has no friends to tell her, hey, this dude's a fucking piece of shit. You need to get away from him. So I appreciate that, but it, there's like five of these bitches and I don't care about them. So not one of them were like useful to say, hey, he's being an asshole. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely all saying he's an asshole. Some of them are like, he's an asshole, but you should try to fuck him and then quit. And some of them are like, he's an asshole. You need to sue him for sexual harassment. And 
you know, whatever. But then she does the same thing that any of us do when we're having an emotional breakdown. She chops her hair off and they go on another Sephora makeover spree um, shopping. This is like the third, was it the third makeover she had in like this whole book? Uh, Third or fourth, yeah. But then like that was on a Friday. So the next Monday, there's this whole avoiding each other game where... You know, they're going up and down and using the stairs, the elevator to get away from each other. And finally, Rin goes to have lunch at the cafe in the museum, which is fucking stupid. As someone who lived in New York, only tourists get lunch at the museum unless they forgot to pack a lunch. Because locals pack their lunch when they go to the Met. It's a huge-ass fucking place, and no one gives a shit if you sit down and unpack your lunch and eat it there. Not to mention, there's, like, a billion fucking cafes around the museum. So, like, why? Why are you going to pay $20 for a ham and cheese sandwich? That's fucking stupid. Um, so that that moment broke me from what little suspended belief i have i like anyway. that what broke you just like oh my god she actually paid for a salad at the fucking museum cafe yeah yeah do you have dude mm. that rage rage moments like the number of times i went to the met for like one reason or other while i lived back east no no you don't only tourists pay at the met for anything Unless you, like, really need a bottle of water or something. But, like, while she's there eating her $50 salad, um, she meets Court's dad for, again, conflict reasons. And because he likes to meet all the interns, because, huh, spoiler alert, Court's uh, dad, Dr. Lyons, um, he likes to fuck interns. Go figure. Hey, runs um, the family. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Um, but then after angsting all fucking day, Court sees them in the cafeteria and he like follows his dad as he leaves and he threatens him and he's like, You stay away from Rin and blah 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 or I'll break your nose again. And then he like goes all caveman predator hunting Rin down through the museum and he's all he doesn't get to touch you, you're my woman, boo 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 boo. And then the he fuck? Her, and then he gives her another handy J, but this time there's like butt play. Um and but he fucks up again and says the wrong thing again. And he basically says, what are you after? You just want money and titles. And she says, fuck you. And she slaps him and, like, goes home. I would quit after that. Right? Right? Like, there are other museums besides the Met. And, like, okay, they're not as impressive or as huge. But, like, the Met itself has, like, five branches. Like, the same way that the Young here in SF has the Legion of Honor, the Met also has that. Like, just go somewhere else. And plus, you're an intern, so it's not like you're being paid, right? Or if you are getting... It better... Yeah. You're just I, think a- she, I think because she is a master's student working on a PhD, like, there's a certain level of internship that they have to pay you for. Yeah. Like, if you're on your bachelor's, there's no guarantee they're going to pay you. If you're in your master's, then yeah, they're going to pay you. And I think at PhD level... 
that you actually do get paid a decent amount. I can't say for sure though. Um, Okay. But yeah, she had that um, weird, scary moment of possessiveness. Mm-hmm. But she slapped him, so like that's something, I guess. Yeah, just like slap you, screw you guys, I'm going home. Yeah. Um. But the next day, she goes back in because she hasn't quit yet, and Bianca has food poisoning or something. I don't know. Um. And Rin's brain goes all cave woman and like, how dare you touch her? You only touch me. She's a bitch. Fuck you. And Court helps Bianca to go get a cab. And because of that, um, Bianca being sick, too sick to work, Rin gets boosted up to be his temporary assistant. And they go to Florence together to secure this statue of David because they're going to bring the statue of David to New York for the exhibition. That escalated very quickly. Did. It absolutely did. Um... And there's like a little bit of a part in a cab because he's like, I'll pick you up for the airport tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And in the cab, when he picks her up, he like gets her a book about the Mary Magdalene, which is part of her dissertation. And he pulls out a book by Margaret Atwood, which if you see a guy reading a book about Margaret Atwood, A, he's trying to get in your pants or B, He's trying to pick up tips on how to hurt people. <laughs> like, that's, that's fucking horrible. But then they, like, they get to Florence, and when they land, they make an agreement to, like, okay, we have to, like, sit and actually talk everything out, because, okay, awesome, communication, but I, whatever, I don't care enough, because I hate these people. Um, but then they get to the museum where the statue of David actually is, and they end up blackmailing they end up blackmailing the curator into giving them the statue. How? Uh, so while what happens is, and this is actually kind of funny, I did like this moment. Um, while Court had gone in to meet with the museum curator, uh, Wren, had been left behind with his intern and they were both bitching about their bosses. And that intern is like, Oh, you want the statue? Well, dude, here, let me tell you how to get it. What it is, is the museum curator likes what's called a hot lunch. Um, so what a hot lunch is, it's when someone puts saran wrap over their face and their partner shits on them. What the fuck? <laughs> and yeah. And so the reason the intern knows this is because her roommate works at the bordello where the boss gets his hot lunch. And that the Italian intern has been using that information to get three day weekends and a raise. And she's like, just say you know about that. He'll give you the statue. It'll be fine. Sure. <laughs> so they get the statue. And then they fuck. Um, because, I don't know, they're happy about getting the statue and they wanted to fuck anyway. Um, Ren in court, not the curator. He can go, whatever. Oh, yeah. No, the, I, get, the, I get it. So it's like, hey, we totally duped somebody for some weird pervert shit. Let's fuck. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so they, they have this whole thing where... Um, 
they are open and they share and they do the whole like rom-com thing where they're shopping and fucking and eating and romantic drives and selfies and Rin tells him he has till the end of Florence trip to get his shit together and you know they do all that shit but then once they land back in New York he's like I can't fall in love because women aren't trustworthy and so he's a dick again for like a page um and then they have this moment where they're like, okay, well, let's just be friends with benefits and not get emotionally involved, even though they're both fucking lying to themselves and each other. And they also decide, well, let's keep it secret so that neither of us get fired. Which, like, okay. Weren't they supposed to talk it out? I think that was part of the, the rom-com driving around Italy thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And trying to think about it, he probably did say something about, like, multiple stepmothers, but he didn't mention his ex-fiancé mother. I've been watching a lot of Archer, so saying fiancé mother is just making me giggle so much. Yeah, that sounds something. it sounds like something Archer would say. Yeah. Ex-fiancé stepmother. But then there's some kind of benefit dinner that happens, and Court's dad... And stepmom show up and like corner Rin because like they know and they like it's just like conflict purposes. And then Court comes over and rescues her and he's like, Leave my intern alone, you old pervert who stole my fiance who was only fucking me for power anyway. And then they run off to a stairwell and start making out. But that bitch Bianca like kicks the door in and she's like, Aha! knew it blah 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 and then court and Rin go back to his place and fuck but then the next day well actually it's like a whole weekend um of them just fucking at his apartment but bianca tries to blackmail court into firing Rin, or she'll tell his dad and get him fired so it's kind of the opposite of like i just wait till your father finds out um if he tells the, if she tells a dad, he'd be like, "Well, add a boy." Uh, no, it's pretty established that Court and his dad hate each other, even and... though they both fuck interns. You would think they'd find some sort of common ground. Well, apparently, Court hadn't been fucking multiple interns; just the one that his oh. dad married. Which, like, his dad married Lydia, the step fiance mother. Well to teach court that all women were trash oh it's totally he totally has daddy issues then so many daddy issues so many um but then like it's uh, court ends up raging out when bianca tries to blackmail him and he goes and makes out with rain in the library which was really kind of like she's just like jamming out doing research and all of a sudden she's like getting fucking molested by this dude at work um and what ends up happening is daddy lions shows up and he's like i knew it i suspected that she was just fucking you and you were fucking her didn't i teach you a lesson um she can quit or i'm gonna fire her um, he th- he actually the dad actually does think that he's saving his son by getting rid of temptations um 
But anyway, Rin quits because if she gets fired, it actually fucks up her internship and her PhD. But Court goes all caveman and he's like, blah, blah, blah. If she leaves, I'm quitting too. And the dad just laughs at him. Um, but his his solution to all this dumb shit is to go over to Rin's house and ask her to marry him so that she can keep her job. How how is that going to work? I don't know. Well, it's it, the the theory he comes up with is that because you'll have my last name, my father will have no choice but to keep you on because you'd be part of the family and even though he's a dick, he looks out for family's best interests. Oh, so you're not going to get this job on your own. You're going to get it through nepotism. Yeah, pretty much. But then he's like, oh, and if you decide that, you know, we're done with it, we can just get divorced. And go figure that suggestion fucking backfires because Rin has actually been falling in love with him. And like, anyway, there's a whole bunch of like, I don't know. It's, it's like... A couple chapters of just weepy, ragey, broody bullshit and more bonbons and ice cream and sad movies and blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. But, like, the only upside in the entire whatever that happened is that Court went to work and fired Bianca before he quit. So his last act as the head of his department was to fire the bitch that ratted him out because I guess she thought that telling his dad on him would make him like her. Sure. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah, which, like I said, she's been trying to get in his pants forever. And when she realized that he was, you know, fucking the six-foot Korean girl, uh, apparently she didn't like that. Um... But then, eventually, um, Bianca texts Rin to tell her that Court quit his job, which I don't understand the purpose behind that. Like, he could have just gone to her house again and be like, I quit my job, babe, because I love you so much. So he didn't Um, tell her right away, huh? No, no. It it happens within, like, a, a day, I think. I don't know for sure. Um... But anyway, Rin finds out and she rushes over to his apartment and she's like, you're a fucking idiot. And he's like, I know I'm a fucking idiot. Why are you so dumb? I don't know. Why don't you tell me? And then they scream and shout and they break some shit and then they admit they love each other and then they fuck and then they get married and everyone gets their job back and everyone gets a happy ending and butt stuff. And butt stuff. And butt stuff. Okay, well, at least all's well and well. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there's a little epilogue at the end where, like, his dad actually approves of Rin because I, I don't know if she stuck to her guns. Um, yeah. Sure. There's like, yeah. Yeah. It, that was the book. That was the whole book. And I was actually worried because I had, like, four pages of notes and normally when I have that many notes, it takes like an hour and a half for me to share the story. But like It sounds no. like a very straightforward story though. It is. I think it would have been a really good chick flick in the two thousands. Um, 
Well, not good, but it would have, like, sold a lot. Yeah, it definitely would have fit in. Yeah, absolutely. I would say my criticisms about the book, aside from the fact that I thought it was boring as fuck, um, there's a lot of pop culture references. Like, for, like, maybe every three pages, they are talking about Wu-Tang Clan or Ariana Grande, which no shade either one of those like i love me some ari and i love me some wu-tang but like i don't need to hear the references all the fucking time like i get it she likes hip-hop i get this there's all this there's also this like fixation on changing everything about yourself to be happy because there's so many makeovers like that's another thing that happens is while court and rin are in florence they have a shopping montage where he does the the spoiled I'm gonna buy you things rich guy thing. The pretty woman and, moment. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up pretty woman bullshit. Um, and like there's just so much emphasis on makeup and as a makeup junkie who loves to dress up and do fancy things like I, I recognize the power of makeup and feeling more confident in yourself when you have your, your shit together. But it, it sort of felt really, really ingenuine. Like an over-reliance on it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also this whole like movement about how jeans are bad. Jeans can't be sexy. Excuse me? I, anyway. Jeans can be hella sexy and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Yeah. Okay. They obviously never seen the, was it, was there any Brooke Shields meet, get between me and my Calvin's ad? Right. Right. Or even just seen any, any, like, anyway. Although I did notice when I lived back east, there was this weird, there was this weird kind of thought process about wearing jeans as part of your workwear like jeans are supposed to be casual slumming it like you jeans are not as big in new york as they are out here in california so maybe it's to do with that but like meh meh yeah it's just jeans what's the big deal yeah but yeah that was my book piece of work uh by stacy hart uh how many shopping bags do you give it uh, one, so I can puke into it. All Our right, there you go. Although I'm really curious how the fuck she has so much money to do so many shopping trips, and I'm a little oh. jealous of that. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Comes like she's. That's why I was like harping on her if she makes money or not as an intern, because like, she seems to be doing a lot of work and going on shopping trips, and I don't know how does she afford this shit. I don't know. She apparently has the gall to pay for. Um, cafe food at the Met, so she must be some kind oh, of- oh, that just that just fucking enrages me so much. Like I, I know, I know you have no idea what I'm talking about, but fucking fifteen dollars, twenty dollars for a ham and cheese on white fucking bread. Ugh. It's probably not even handmade too. It's probably like the one that they have in the vacuum sealed pack where you have to like you know tear it open. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would not pay $20 for that bullshit. It's like gas station food. Exactly. I can pay $20 in the Met at their shitty cafe, or I can duck outside really quick and, like, find the cafe across the street that sells a good-sized Reuben 
for like half the price and get fries and a drink and then duck back into the Met and it, it's nothing. New York anyway. problems. Yeah, basically. New York problems. Pack your lunch if you go to the Met um, or any museum in New York. Just pack a fucking lunch. They don't give a shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of butt stuff, I hear you have an amazing treat for us for Halloween. A trick or treat, one could say. As tricks and some treats. But anyways, I, so, um, yeah, I misunderstood the assignment. We're supposed to read more, uh, regular or normal romance novels, and then we're supposed to do a Chuck Tingle special. And my mind automatically left to, oh, yeah, Chuck Tingle special. So I'm just going to read Chuck Tingle. And I forgot. In your, defense, in your defense, you have been excited about Chuck Tingle since we started this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what are what are we reading today? In honor of Halloween, I read, let's see, Chuck Tingle presents uh, scary stories to tingle your butt. Seven <laughs> of- Yeah. <laughs> That's so much. <laughs> so if you don't know about Chuck Tingle, Chuck Tingle, he writes a lot of romance novels. Primarily with LGBT themes, a lot of these characters tend to be gay, but he also says some lesbian and some straight characters, but more often than not, they're pretty gay. Um, and they're very absurd stories, like this one. Obviously, it's a parody on um, scary tales to, t- uh, to tell in the dark. And Chuck Tingle stories are pretty easy to read. It's not a lot of like thinking, which is why I was so excited to do this. <laughs> They usually are like 20 pages and it's more or less like um, character, usually gay. He gets haunted, or at least since this is horror theme, like the first one was called uh, Bigfoot Pirates Haunt My Balls. (laughs) (laughs) Followed by The Night Bus Pounds My Butt. (laughs) Angry Man Pounded by the Fear of His Latin Gayness Over a Dinosaur Transitioning into a Unicorn. There's a lot of butt stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Number four. My ass is haunted by the gay unicorn colonel. <laughs> the state of California stalks my gay butthole. The curse okay. of the Bigfoot butt camp. <laughs> Reamed by my reaction to the title of this book. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm thinking I'm thinking it's a lot of butt stuff. It's a whole lot, of, whole lot of butt stuff. And a lot of <laughs> gang banging. Chuck, uh, Chuck Tingle's really into, like, hot-ass Bigfoots. Because all, because like the first one, um, which again is called Bigfoot Pirates Hot My Balls. <laughs> Wait, his testicles are being haunted by pirates. Yeah. Um. So the story goes: this guy who was at the beach playing with his dog, he felt like a really pain. He felt like a pain in his balls. Well, at first he talks about how he liked pirates as a kid, and um. But he thought it was kind of childish to be into pirates. And then he talks about the background of how the Bigfoot population and how, like, the regular humans drove him out, which is why they went to the sea. I'm like, oh, my God. He just went in on, like, he just truly accepted that these creatures are, like, normal and people deal deal with them regularly. So, um, yeah. He he feels a pain in his balls and he's like, yep, they're haunted. No, he went to the doctor and the doctor confirmed they're haunted. (laughs) Now there's a doctor involved. Okay. 
Yeah, he's just like, well, like, yeah, he said, I went, he felt a pain, he went to the doctor, he's like, yep, you're haunted. Is there any way to, like, get rid of this pain? Like, well, you just got to let the ghost appear and let it do what it wants. Usually if it's a ghost, it's like, it has, like, unfinished business on Earth. Okay. And he just pretty much like, okay, fine. And then later that night, the apparition of the, uh, the a giant pirate named Captain Lorco, mm-hmm. as he, the captain of the nice abs. That's the name of his boat or ship. <laughs> Not the SS Repsies. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it, yeah, and uh, let's see. So yeah, uh, yeah, he talks to Captain Loroco. He talks about how his pirate crew, they're all gay, but they couldn't really do all their gay stuff because of weird pirate code or something. Like, if you're all gay and you're out to sea, you can all just fuck each other. What happens on the ship stays on the ship. Exactly. So... I don't know what the big deal is. So anyways, this guy goes out to sea and he sees the, the apparition of the haunted pirate ship or something and Loco and his pirate crew. And he pretty much gets a gangbang by his pirate crew. That's And he gets thrown overboard the ship afterwards. Rude. They yeah. can't even give him a ride back? Nope. Just like, oh, time to end this... Um, Time to end the festivities or whatever. Just like, what better than having someone walk the plank and then they just grab them and he's, as he was cheering, it's like, oh, yeah, sorry, we don't have a plank, so we just have to throw you overboard. And he just, just throw him overboard, and he just wakes up ashore. And there's, like, a, he wakes up next to a message in the bottle. And Norco was saying, like, I'm sorry, pirates aren't good with, with goodbyes. And he just, this stupid emotional, like, oh, uh, I'll always remember you and love you or something. And it was just so stupid and ridiculous. <laughs> I'll always remember my time spent haunting your balls. <laughs> Lisa's balls got unhaunted afterwards. I mean, it, that seems like a good thing. <laughs> okay, so, so just, that just, for the quote, just read it for the quote alone. Okay. Okay. Do you so, want me to so, try to like explain all of them, or just like I said, they more or less involve the same kind of plot, but it just whatever ridiculous creature. Because in um, story two, he deals with a vampire bus. Well, let's let's do let's do like a couple more. Okay. That way, when we do, or we we could do a couple more, or we could wait until the next episode when we just do all Chuck Tingle all the time. Okay. Um, or you could do a plain one, or I don't know. We'll figure that part out. It's up to you. Do you want to read more? Because I took up like 40 minutes of this recording and we're only at 53. Okay. I mean, if you want, I can tell you about the other stories in this book. Well, it's a, it's a butt-tingling Halloween podcast. Let's do another one. How about the angry man pounded by the fear of his latent gayness over a dinosaur transitioning into a unicorn? There's so much going on with that, and I need to know what it is. So it involves this, like, dude bro, alpha male, macho. Yeah, yeah exactly. Gag. Mm-hmm. So it was him and his girlfriend, they're, like, being outraged over a celebrity named Bort Jenkins, who was born a dinosaur but transitioned to a unicorn. Celebrity dinosaur unicorn. Got it. Yeah, it's pretty much a parody of um, what's what's her name? Caitlyn Jenner. Oh. Hmm. Okay. It's well, yeah. So just they're being uh, 
blatant transphobic saying like, oh my god, this what kind of things are they bringing to this world? Like, what were what do children think? Okay. And then um, plot twist is he the dude found um, found the picture. First, it started a magazine article about Ward Jenkins, and he thought that Ward Jenkins was pretty hot, so he decided to jerk off a little bit to the picture, not realizing who it was. And he goes. After the whole argument with his wife, he goes into like, oh, how he always was into unicorns. And uh, since he's so like sexually frustrated and angry, he decides to go to a unicorn strip club. Because, you know, logic. It's sure. 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 I'm assuming in this universe that dinosaurs and unicorns are just kind of common. Pretty much. That's, that's what Chuck Tingle likes to do. Just like whatever random um, hodgepodge of character, like, you know, Bigfoot pirates, unicorns, whatever. They're real. And people like if, to fuck them. If there's a hole, you can fuck it kind of thing. Pretty much. Okay. If you can think it, it can pound you in the butt. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's Chuck Tingle's philosophy. <laughs> if it's got a hole, you can pound it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. So he goes to the unicorn strip club, and he sees, like, this hot-ass unicorn, and he's just, like, so turned on, and then he takes it... And he tries to get a private dance from her. And then he started ta- rambling about the whole Bort Jenkins thing. About how it's weird that dinosaurs can could become uh, unicorns. And the, the stripper gets so offended and kicks out the uh, macho, hom- transphobic, straight guy out in the street. Like, with the bouncers. Mm-hmm. And so he just kind of huffs and puffs just walking around getting and until he gets lost in the woods. Until he gets fucked by, like, a mist of a... Basically, apparition of his own gayness. I don't know how, but think of a giant mist um, fucking him, and it fuck and just think of him fucking like a giant mist thingy. Okay. Okay. Tingle, don't think too much about it. This is uh, like I said, this is an easy read. I was looking at reading it the entire time, and my just like really, what the fuck? I'm just like, okay, sure, I'm gonna go along for the ride. <laughs> I mean. Sounds like a lot of people had to go along for the ride with this. And that mess probably gave him a good ride, you know what I mean? But it did have the really good line. Mm -hmm. That personified regnite fear feels so good inside this tight butthole. Say that again? That personified sexual redneck fear feels so good, fucking good, in my, in this, uh, feels so good inside this tight butthole. That's okay. That's what we were yelling out. That's definitely not something you would hear in, an, in any other book. Yeah, Chuck Tingle's also really into gangbangs because the pirate uh, one had a lot of gangbangs. This one, the mist turned into like a bunch of men. So just like him being gangbanged by a bunch of like misty looking men called spirit thingies who that happened to be his latent homosexuality repressed or something. I, I Like I said, this is... I accept... But goes on. Yeah, it seems like something you can't question too deeply. And let's see. Uh, he gets gangbanged. To, he gets fucked senseless. And he goes back to his his piece of shit wife. And he just like, she's like, it's another woman, isn't it? It's like, no, nah, it's about a man. She's like, and she gets all aggro and says like, you're not a real man, blah, blah, blah. He's like, what? He's like, get the fuck out. And then he lives his happily gay life ever after. Being fucked by unicorns. Sure. I wonder if this dude just had like a super messy divorce, like Chuck Tingle himself. I don't know. His story is pretty interesting. Hmm. Let me see if I can go to the au- description of the author. Hmm. So yeah, that was a preview of um, scary, st- 
scary st- stories to tingle your butt. Seven Tales of Gay Terror. It was on okay. total of like 92 pages. So like I said, it was a pretty easy read. Most of his stuff is pretty easy to read. So we've got we've got two out of the five done for his butt tingly scary stories. Um okay. Okay. So then next next time we record, are we gonna get the other five? Oh, you want me to go through all five of them? No, we could do we could do more next time too. We can do more next time, because like I said, it's the stories are pretty like self explanatory can like if you read the titles. Okay. And more or less are the same. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right then. Um, I, mean, I could tell you more about Chuck Tingle if you want. I can read. I can t- um, tell you his bio. No, because I I actually first heard of Chuck Tingle um, watching at midnight. Same. Um, which I I actually do miss that show. It was absolutely hilarious. Um, I, I would hope there was another episode or another season coming up at some point after this whole thing, but then Chris Hardwick went through all his shit, so, yeah. Yeah, I don't even think how it'll work, like, right now, but I'll, since they relied on having, like, guests come in as a game show and they needed an audience for reactions and stuff. Um, I don't know that you would need an audience, actually. Because Jimmy Fallon and uh, other late night talk show hosts have just been kind of doing it with their crew laughing, which has been a lot more telling if a joke is funny or not, because the crew, like, you can hear when they actually think it's funny versus like, I'm being paid to laugh. The whole like, ha 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 ha, that's a whole chuckle. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, so yeah, what? how many, how many... How many ghost missed? I, I I don't even know how to propose a rating system for a Chuck Tingle book. How many Bigfoots? <laughs> how many big? How many Bigfoots in your gangbang? I guess. How many haunted balls? <laughs> how many pirates in your haunted balls? Um, I'll get a four. Sure, I'll get a four. It actually helps. I actually enjoyed it for all its silliness that that it is, and I'm not gonna take it seriously because you know, right? Bigfoot, right, right. hot Bigfoot pirates, be- gang banging some dude, and like a dude broking bank gang bang by his um, late like his apparition of gayness or something. I don't no fucking clue. And another <laughs> one where a guy gets banged by a unicorn civil war general. What? Wait. No, tell me that one. We I, I have to hear that one before we sign off. Oh, okay. Tell uh, me the unicorn civil war. <laughs> let me let me go to the story so I can. Oh, okay. It's from my ass is haunted by the gay unicorn colonel. So this is guy he, goes, huh? Oh, I was gonna ask is is the unicorn from the Confederate or Union? It doesn't say. Oh. I don't. I don't know if it matters at this point. <laughs> Fair enough. So this guy goes to his um, plantation house in the deep south, he said, in the deep forest in nor- northern Georgia. Mm-hmm. And as he uh, drives up into a house, he sees like this unicorn and staring down from the window, top floor of the window. Mm-hmm. And so he's greeted by by Melody, the lady who runs the B&B. The dude's name is mm-hmm. Roger, by the way, like it matters. <laughs> okay let's see so he uh she makes a nice dinner for him she's like oh who's that unicorn i saw in the window and she was like oh my god you saw a unicorn like yeah who's that 
and then she takes him to the to the like a sitting room with all the elaborate furniture as you would imagine a big um southern plantation house would have uh-huh. see a big nice uh painting of colonel peach a civil a civil war uh unicorn general he's sitting on the <laughs> Yeah, he's sitting on top of a horse with the wind blowing through his sparkling unicorn mane. He's wearing a dark uniform and carrying a flag in the waves of the wind, uh, with the wind behind him. So he's, I think he's trying to impersonate the Napoleon pose. <laughs> okay. A unicorn riding a horse carrying a flag with the wind blowing all shoujo. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then later at night, uh, he's like he is trying to like go to sleep, and he keeps hearing these strange noises. And then this apparition of guess who? The R. Kelly. No, Colonel Peach himself, the beloved Civil War unicorn general, Colonel Peach. <laughs> There's so much going on. So many titles, but <laughs> but uh, earlier in the book, um. Roger, he talks about his love of unicorns, uh, particularly because he went to Spain. He fell in love with Paulo, his unicorn lo- gay lover, and theme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he held, harbored of love of unicorns ever since, even though ba- back when they were together, it was forbidden. Right. So there you go. There's some romance element in there. Just and apparently his his lover died, and so he's just been mourning ever since. Oh. Yes. So, anyways. Uh, yes, he sees the ghost of uh, Colonel Peach, and then they fucked, as he, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Honestly, yes, he fucked, and then a lot of fucking. So uh, I have a question. I just is there? I just keep reading it, and then it's on the end. So I'm like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes, is there like because the last two pirates and like ghost mist and shit were in human-ish form? How how does it does it go into how it works with a unicorn fucking a human? Well, like, they're mostly there... ghost forms, so I guess that takes away the physiology aspect. Because I was gonna ask, is there like special positions and equipment involved? No, it's just it's always like the main character is the one being the submissive one. Uh, occasionally, it's they will switch off. For the most part, it's it's like dude taking, like I said, Bigfoot dick or unicorn dick. It's just like sure, sure, and they're and they happen to be in ghost form. So that there you go. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. We should ask someone, ask a ghost expert. How would that work? I. <laughs> we can ask Zach Bagel Bites. <laughs> yes. Hey Zach, how does it work if a ghost unicorn haunts someone in an asylum? And he would respond with. Hey, Aaron, go check that out. Or we should have, like, I don't know, ask the unsolved, BuzzFeed Unsolved guys to spend a night at a Civil War bed and breakfast, plantation bed and breakfast and see if they get haunted by a gay unicorn general. <laughs> I mean, Shane would not find anything, but Ryan might. He would be the one possessed. <laughs> oh. Meanwhile, Shane oh. like, stands in the middle of the room insulting the ghost, just like... I'm right here. <laughs> you know there's fanfics about that. Oh, I bet. All you have to do is look at AO3 and, you know, there it be. The rule of the internet. Oh, God. Worse worse than rule 34, I would say. Chuck Tingle books in general are rule 34. Yeah, I'm kind of picking that up. 
I'm definitely kind of picking that up. Um, okay, that, so what was the one uh, you're telling me? We gets he gets fucked by the internet. Uh, Chris Hardwick get, gets pounded in the butt by the personification of his own TV show. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's that's the one that like because I remember on the show they were making fun of Chuck Tingle a fair bit, but then they said like no. We want you to write a book for us. We'll pay you to write this book about us. And then that was the book that came out was Chris Hardwick gets pounded in the butt by the personification of his own TV show. <laughs> the internet is wild, you guys. Mm-hmm. All right. So of the of the stories, of the three stories you told, which one is your favorite? <sighs> <laughs> No I'm answer. gonna think because they're so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how about this? How about this then? No, you know what? I was gonna. I'll say the haunted by the ghost of what is it? My ass is haunted by the gay unicorn colonel. That's your favorite one. Of a love story, and it was some closure there. Okay, okay, I can accept that. Yeah. Okay, so you heard it here first. Um, April loves the book about the gay unicorn colonel. Because <laughs> why not? Colonel Peach, I salute you. Colonel Peaches, we salute you. Just Peach. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I actually did really like that name. That name alone made me giggle. Um, challenge to any listeners now or in the future, if you submit fan art of Colonel Peach, I will say your name. That's all I can offer you as a prize. I mean, I could offer something as a constellation, but if you managed to, that'd be awesome. That that would be great. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so uh, this is our first October episode. Our next October episode, I will go ahead and read some Chuck Tingle um, for, my, for, for myself, because it sounds fascinating on top of everything else. Um, oh, you'll have a gay old time. I, it sounds like a gay old time. It really does. A fabulous gay old time. Um, do we, out of curiosity, do we want to read some other kind of book too? Or just a super tingly, spooky episode? Because it seems like they go by pretty fast and we might not be able to fill a full episode of it. If you want, I can trade off. And since I didn't do my first party assignment and read a normal book, I'll read a normal book. Like... Modern okay. Okay. We could we could do that. Um, you could do a normal book, and, and I'll enjoy the t- Chuck Tingleness. I'll I'll be tingling, tingling with anticipation the whole time. Ah. <laughs> um, but definitely, you guys. Um, always support independent writers and self publications, and check out some tingle for yourself. And if the Red Lipstick Coalition and all that boring bullshit uh, tickles your fancy, I guess check that out too, because... If that's your author- thing, that's, and it's okay. Right? There's nothing wrong with wanting to fuck your boss. I've done it myself, by accident. I didn't know he was my boss at the time. Well, um, I've never been fortunate to have any hot bosses, so I never thought of this, the, them that way. But, you know, if that's a thing of yours, do it. Um, yeah, I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> anyway, I'm Tasha. I'm April. And you've been listening to... And, and then, then they fucked. Quarantine. Bye.